Welcome to the Rock is George podcast. I'm your host, George Dion, and this is episode 133. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to hit like, subscribe, or follow on the platform you're listening to us on. You can also check out my work at theloudest.com on the planet, knac.com, for exclusive interviews, live show coverage, and more. My guests for this episode are Mike Scullion and Reese Green of the Canadian pop rock act, Mystery Romance. I get a lot of music sent to my email address. I try to get through as much as I can. Uh, I got something from Mystery Romance, who I had no prior knowledge of. I listened to it. It was a little something different than what I normally get. I normally get a lot of hard rock and metal stuff. Mystery Romance was more of that pop new wave music of the mid to late 80s. You heard it a lot in teenage coming-of-age movies or romance, rom-coms, stuff like that. Think of Simple Minds or AHA. Doing some research, I discovered that uh, Mystery Romance released an album in 1989 called Human Sexuality. It spawned three charting singles for them, two in their homeland of Canada and one internationally. The band seemed to go MIA after that. In recent times, Mystery Romance's music has been used in television programs, much like a lot of bands that were around 30, 40 years ago. A, a placement in a TV show can kind of pique people's interest again. It happened for Kate Bush and Stranger Things. It happened for Swedish act Wigwam in Peacemaker. And it's happened for Mystery Romance. They had one of their songs appear in a Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd television show that's on Apple TV called The Shrink Next Door. Mystery Romance released their latest album, Flying Through the Moon, on January 31st through current recordings. It's a collection of new material as well as a couple of old favorites. So here's Mike Scullion and Reese Green of Mystery Romance to tell you more about it. If I knew absolutely nothing about Mystery Romance, how would you describe the band's music to me? Well, it's pop. Older pop, I Older would think. pop, yeah. Like, you know, categories change. I don't know if you'd call it adult contemporary or Euro pop or, you know, I mean, categories change all the time. So I don't even know what our category, ours is in now, but... You know, rock and pop used to be kind of together back in the day, and now there's just so many micro genres, I guess. So it's a little hard to pigeonhole. Yeah, it's, I asked my son that, and my my daughter that, and what where would you find this? And some they go, well, that's rock, and or this is this is closer to pop. So we're somewhere in there. Listening to it, it kind of reminded me of you know, kind of '80s new wave pop stuff you heard in movies, you know, and soundtracks and. Maybe a little bit of UK influence is what I would say. Uh, that would make sense because uh, two primary songwriters are from Ireland. Were born there, lived there till we were fifteen. So our influences were all UK bands like T Rex, Slade, and then the old, the newer stuff, George Michael. You know, all that Elton John, all that. So that's where our influences came from. So you have a new album out. It came out on January 31st, Flying Through the Moon on Current Records. Before we get to that, I think we need to hit the time machine on the band and go back to the band's very beginnings because the internet doesn't really tell the story of mystery romance. Uh, I did discover that you guys formed sometime around 1989. So what kind of brought the band together back then? 
I'd been doing my me myself had been doing a bunch of stuff on my own, trying to, you know, find collaborators. And my father knew a drum, our drummer's father, and through him, ended up meeting Reese and meeting another guitar player, and we all sort of got together and we had a couple of songs, just put a demo together and like the old put it on a you know bought a four track and put four songs together and sent it down to Toronto, a bunch of record labels and current records called us and said yeah this is great we didn't know who they were but they'd already had some juno awards in canada it went from there and they we started recording um in 89 i think yeah, yeah 89, 89. made the first video it was I think september it came out september 89 and in 1990 we did played saddle dome for 15,000 people so it did really well on the radio we're like we were ever all over the place radio every chart we were in the charts international charts uh but they never printed a single which kind of annoyed us and we were in the singles charts number six what the video do is it the video chart no i don't have the video chart but the single definitely was in the the charts and i would call am and say you know i go to the record store and there's a slot that says sold out you didn't print a single because it had so much radio play and they said no no it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna tank after it was there four weeks, stayed another six weeks in the top 10. We lost a bit of income there. And then that, we got after that, we got a few gigs playing Saddle Dome, uh, Jack Singer with the Philharmonic. And then just the guys, we were, we're at the end of university, right? So we're, and guys were like, well, I can't, can't just do this for no money anymore. And it, we just sort of all got jobs. All got jobs. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of sad. I think it was the wrong timing for us. I think if we'd have come like two or three years earlier, Record companies would have been in better shape and they might have put some more into it. So you, you signed with Current Records, who's a division of AM. Are you just marketed to Canada at the time, or do they try to kind of squeak into the US or was they it got us in the UK on President's Records, which we didn't we didn't know until recently, uh, because some of the songs from that album ended up in a couple of TV shows like Apple TV show uh with Will Farrell and Paul Rudd. That publisher just called one day and said, hey, we can put this in this Apple show. And we'll go, who are you? <laughs> we're like, we're the publisher for the UK. So we did find out, yeah, it was released in, in the UK, but we didn't know that at the time. Even though the record label didn't really believe in your singles and stuff like that, you mentioned you did play some shows, so they must have given you a little bit of tour support back then? Uh, no. No, actually, we might have even done more shows had they... Given us tour support at all. Had they given us tour yeah. support, we would have done some shows. Yeah. Yeah. Those came from uh just so much the radio guys were really good. And I think AM were pretty good. Like the, in those days, everyone had an AR person in every city. They were really good. And uh they just kind of embraced us because we were from Calgary and then TV stations would call and, and rate and radio guys would call and say, Do you want to play this concert with some iconic Canadian bands? Which we did. Yeah. And then we were getting set for this tour, but it all fell through because there was no tour support. For Reese and I, that is not such a bad thing because we, we just loved the studio, not the tour. Whereas our guitar guy, he was born to be on stage. Yeah. Right? And that was uh, Stuart McCullough? No, Stuart McCullough is a songwriter. He's a singer. singer. Uh, it was Richard Crooks, guitar player. Great guitar player. Could play anywhere, any place, And uh, he was born to play on stage. He was getting married, so he was like, I, I got to go to Vancouver and get a real job. So <laughs> so he went to Vancouver. So it kind of fizzled. We stayed, we just kind of stuck together for a couple of years, and it just kind of fizzled. And then it was the rebirth with Jerry Young saying, hey, I heard your music in the movies. You should 
get back and do some stuff. Yeah, it started by kind of redoing some of the older songs to kind of yeah. make them a little bit more contemporary sounding. Yeah, we did that. We've done that a few times, and it's hard to get people together, though, these days. Well, at least we can have this technology. We can do it. Then we picked up a singer from uh, New Zealand who kind of auditioned about eight years ago, and he brought a whole new dynamic to it, and we've never been in the same room recording with him. <laughs> well, that's kind of the music industry today. You yeah, do everything yeah. remotely. Yeah, and he's, right. he sings all his vocals in his car with his sweaters up around, and, and they sound great. So we just send him the tracks, and he he does his vocal thing and sends it back. This this album that you released in 1989, uh, Human Sexuality, somebody came across, you, you said your UK label was trying to license the music out to music and TVs. Is that how it started to first appear in these programs? Uh, it's Yes, but that was recent. That's in the last two years. Right. It's a, the 80s revival has been huge in television, right? Yeah. So somehow, I mean, they're pretty big. Pub, they're a big publisher. If you look them up, they're called uh, Kastner. And they're pretty big in the world. They've done a lot of stuff been around for 50 years. So they had, we didn't know, they had the rights to it. And and they said, we can get this in the show. Would you let let us do it? And we're like, well, sure, of course. And we had we did have one movie before around uh, 1990 called Primo Baby. And one of the songs is in that. And that's that's gone on to make, that has made some money royalty-wise. But uh, the last couple of years, it's mostly been a revival of UK and TV shows. But the industry is getting harder and harder to get opportunities. Well, yeah. the TV seems to be a saving grace for some artists. I mean, nobody heard of Kate Bush running up that hill until it appeared in Stranger Things. And all of a sudden, it's the greatest song in the world. And it came out 35 years ago and nobody blinked at it. That's and it's, right. and it's kind of the 80s thing, too. All the kids like the 80s sound now, too, because it sounds new and different, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah, my kids, too. I think the well, kids they are, are more well better versed, I think, actually, because they, they like if they like the song, they don't care whether it was made in the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, they don't care. They just like the song. There's certainly been, you know, an eighties revival and nineties revival within the hard rock and heavy metal music uh genre. But you guys' genre, I'd say it's starting to make that resurgence. Uh and people are really starting to latch on to that kind of new wave pop from the eighties at this yeah, juncture. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, if you look at the weekend and guys like that, they're doing stuff that sounds a bit like aha and groups like that. If you like the song, it doesn't matter when it came, where it came from. I think that's what's changed today. Your latest album, Flying Through the Moon, was obviously spawned from the renewed interest in your music from appearing in these TV shows. Yes, yes, yeah. And we'd had a few people online find searching for the old songs, and, and I would just upload them. Here you go. And yeah, that's where it was. well, maybe we should get all this back material that we've never finished. And you've and you've just started the you've updated the website with all the videos. Yeah, that's a I, that's that's a brand new thing for us is this year that it's putting up a website. And actually, we started to find our record being sold on disc dogs and all over the Europe and stuff, like some ridiculous prices, like seventy five bucks for an album. So I actually bought. I'll show you one. I actually bought one. Let me grab it right here. Because I didn't, we didn't have one, All right? So it was. I bought one sealed. If I don't know if you could see that. Yep. Wow. There. Right. So found it uh, online, and it was. I think this one cost me. This one cost me twenty five dollars. <laughs> it was selling for seven dollars when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> but we never had any. We didn't even get any copies. Really? No. 
No, no, never got any copies. Now, now they did do good, good promo. CDs, yeah. Give us CDs, but they give us, they did do good promo. I mean, you'd go into a Rex Sam, the record man, a record stores, and it'd be full cardboard cutouts of us and stuff. They did do good promo, I'll say that, but we didn't get a tour, which we were kind of hoping. We planned for a tour, and, and we practiced for a tour. It just never happened. Did you save any memorabilia from the past? Well, we've got all the articles. I've got all the, the paper articles and all the chart listings. We've got all that. But that's it. No video, really? No video. I don't know why we didn't record video, but we have nothing. Well, you sort of kind of get a new start with this 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 new album, uh, Flying Through the Moon. And I'm assuming, I, I know there's a couple songs that are re-recorded that yeah. you released in the past. Is most of this material newer material or stuff that you've been sitting on for 30 years? Uh, most of it is newer stuff. I'm about to pull the record. Most yeah. of the newer stuff. Yep. The title song is written within the last couple of months, actually. The sec for single, uh, that's a, a new song. I think the only ones on there are like Waiting on a Train that we did in our old album. I redid it because we never was happy with it. And so far away, of course. And after that, the rest was new. We had to weed that down from about 70 songs. So we have a bunch of others that we're planning to release and record. We kind of like finish them up to ninety percent, and then, and then uh, move on and come back and move on. So, probably within the next couple of months, we'll have another one done. Was it just you and Reese putting this album together, or did other members from the nineteen eighty nine version of the band contribute? Oh yeah, everybody contributed in in some way. A guitar player played some. Um, we even brought back the original guitar player. We shot some music music videos for them, and the drummer, original drummer. And Reese, of course, Reese has been here the whole time. And then Stuart, the one of the other singers, he's popped in and out. And then the new singer. And then we added my son and my daughter to it. We're both musicians. And so they played on it. So. so so, that's your daughter that does the female vocals on the album? Yeah. And my son plays guitar and flying, flying through the moon. Are they also in bands of their own? No, no, they're not, actually. They just won't do that <laughs> they got more talent than i had when i was their age but they're just well, except my son he's kind of into guitar now he just mm -hmm. learned it during COVID. that's when he learned to play and it just, it just took off and he he's got a talent for it so mystery romance broke up shortly after your first album was released what happened to everyone after that did some stay in the music field i mean you mentioned you're in movies Reese, I didn't catch where you were at, but uh, what what kind of happened? Everyone, did you did you try to keep it together, and then it and then it what you went your separate ways? What happened? Well, let you talk. Let Reese talk about what he did. So. I after we kind of fizzled out there a little bit, I went into music retail and stuff, and then for the last twenty years, been doing uh, church music actually, music director. Yep, Reese's been doing that. Uh, yeah, I kept it together with uh, recording the guy, the guitar player moved away to Vancouver and we would back and forth cassette tapes and the other singer still lives in town. Uh, we were still good friends and I just kept trying to keep it going from time to time. But then, you know, family and stuff gets in the way and you get distracted for four or five years. And we've kept pretty much everyone involved as much as we can because we're still friends. So, so do you plan on taking the band back out to do a couple live shows or are you just going to stick to staying in the recording studio? I think right now we're going to stick to recordings to you because because everyone's spread around so much it's hard to even get together right we'd probably entertain an offer if somebody offered us to do something but we would yeah i think to initiate it ourselves is probably a long shot yeah i mean one guy lives in portland one lives in vancouver the rest of us 
One one's in New Ze- one's in Mexico right now. He, he travels around the country, and there's three of us in Calgary. So it's it's kind of hard. You have the one video story of we out now. From what I understand, uh, you worked on editing it and putting it together. Correct. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we shot that, and we did put the so far away. Took the old footage that we had from the original, added a little bit of new footage. It's out. And we shot one for waiting on the train, and we're going to shoot for Christmas ones, right? Yeah, there's a couple of Christmas ones out there. We did a Christmas one and last year, and, we, and then we're going to we're going to shoot another one. We're going to plan to do a couple more. I've got two more to release, two off that album actually. One for "See Me Through," and one for "Tell Me," which we recorded. Started recording that song for our second album for AM. They wanted to release it, but wouldn't put the money up for an album, so we wouldn't let them. And so we sat on that one for a long time. So. It was funny, you know, the timing of of the dissolve of the band, as it were, and the dissolve of A and M Records. Where it's about yeah, the same time. But in the thing. early nineties, you know, Albert and Moss sold A and M to Universal, and A- Universal just kind of imploded, made A and M implode, and that's they dropped a ton of artists at that time, yeah. thirty years ago, and that kind of came about the same time as we kind of packed it in, right? Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah, I remember having a meeting with the head guy at A and M, and he said oh love your album we're going to do another one and then and they were they, they dissolved uh, we did end up having uh uh Stuart and i the singer did end up doing one under the name trinity square that was out on universal about 2007 2008 and they put it into stores and stuff but nothing really happened with that i think everything's internet today it's not so much stores yeah, it's, it's, internet. it's internet today yeah and i think it's uh from what I'm reading, it's not so much albums anymore. It's single after single after single, right? It, it, there's a little balance between that. Yeah, a lot of artists uh, release singles, but all of a sudden there's this resurgence in vinyl, and even young kids are after vinyl. So there's this sort of a physical market there, but I can already see that the record companies are gonna they're gonna price themselves right out of the vinyl market, yeah, like they did with CDs. Hard to get it. Get it. We were going to print a vinyl of Flying Through the Moon, but I looked into it. It was like an eighteen-month wait, and it was fifteen hundred bucks. Fifteen hundred bucks for a hundred copies, where you can get a CD for fifty bucks. You know, it's like, <laughs> wow, an eighteen-month wait. They've closed on all those plants. Now musicians are actually buying their own uh, vinyl plants. Like Metallica just bought one, and Jack White of the White Stripes, yeah. he has one too. Yeah. So they're able wow. to get them out faster. And then like yeah. the the bigger ones are prioritizing artists like taylor swift had no problem getting all those vinyls in less than eight months exactly yes yeah yeah and adele i heard when adele uh booked hers everyone else was bumped for a year yeah right <laughs> stuff like that yeah well reese is big time into vinyl right he's I, lo- I love vinyl i got a new turntable and i love buying all the old stuff that on because the quality is better than it used to be back in the original days but i still kind of gasp when i have to pay 45 bucks yeah <laughs> mind you my son who's 20 he, he buys vinyl nothing but vinyl probably got 150 albums and he's he's go, always buying vinyl so the kids do like it yeah I, I, like we were had this conversation today it's about you know music and and i think so much it's not so much that the music's uh bad today because of kids or i think the kids aren't exposed to the great music and if they were they'd love it i mean my daughter the other day is i'm she's driving me around said i want you to listen to some new stuff and she's playing me steely dan well, where are you finding this? <laughs> and 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 ambrosia and and stuff like that. And go, and they love it. Well, and my kid, the sixteen, plays me new stuff all the time, every day, and I've never heard of any of it because it's none of it's on the radio. 
I'm like, some of this is crap and some of this is really good, but none of it's on the radio. So they don't care what's on the radio. At least my daughter doesn't. She no. finds stuff from TikTok, TikTok and wherever and... else, right? And yeah. mo- and movies like Stranger Things and stuff. So they get it from somewhere, but it they ain't coming from radio. No. Of course, for you, say uh, radio metal, like is is there still because that kind of disappeared, right? Is so it, still- it it as as a mainstream form, yeah, heavy metal is sort of considered underground again. Okay. But I mean, certainly in Europe, it's huge. Uh, overseas, oh, yeah. they absolutely love it. There's a huge audience over there. Uh, overseas loves the nostalgia act. So you take the metal of the eighties and those guys could still release albums over in Europe and it'd be successful. They got so many festivals in Europe for all these metal acts. So they hold on just not so much in the U S the U S sort of has it, but they, they put like a little corporateness on what metal we have here in the U S. Okay. Gotcha. Well, that's good. Some of that stuff was good too. (laughs) Well, I think with the advent a lot of can a lot of the hard rock acts uh, survive, make a living just from doing live shows in the U.S., or do they have to be international? I think they exclusively uh, make their money off of live performances. I don't, I don't think they're making money off of their music anymore. If it is, it's very little. I'd yeah. say that T-shirts, merchandise, uh, probably a little bit on vinyl now, and live performances is probably the main uh, financial means for hard rock and metal acts today. Or or sync placement because that actually does that does play well if you can get it pay well if you can get in there. Yeah, video games and and, and movies yeah. and yeah. stuff like that and and then that's where the kids find the music right and they're going like well what's that and and then they go searching for it. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny back you know like in the eighties bands would be like no way my song's going into commercial uh, yeah. I'm not right. selling out and right. now right. you have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that's, funny. That's the payoff. That's right. That is funny. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys do everything yourself you you you're still on current records is, is yep. that your imprint yep yeah okay. they, they, they do our pro when we release a single they'll do the promo and follow up and radio track it and stuff like that and the last single not so far away the one before did pretty good we had like 20 or 30 stations playing it so that was good and they he, they follow that up but that's basically where it's down to now it's tough for record companies to survive right they used to book you and or they would, didn't book us but they used to book the bands they had previous before they went defunct and tours and everything and that's pretty much gone right did, did you know who current were no no i was unfamiliar with that i mean i've i've interviewed some canadian acts but that that hasn't come up like attic records i know out of canada oh yeah oh yeah yep yeah yeah and- current was right up there said because they'd won two junos one with uh Par- no, parachute club but a couple of huge hits mm-hmm. and gold records and m plus m you might probably heard that song echo beach that's one of their bands yeah and, and that's still pretty popular today so they had quite a track record just we caught them at the tail end of when things were starting to change so you mentioned you guys are laying down some tracks i assume you're working on your next your follow-up album yes yeah we are we are we're working on that uh trying to learn some new software from this east west uh what's it called east west music i don't know if you've heard of them yes yeah hollywood backup singers and because you can get software to help you with backup singers you can you know play it on your keyboard but it's not like they advertise that we're finding it's <laughs> it's a lot tougher than to to get it to work which is so we're just trying to figure out things what, what way we can add some uh textures to the song and if not we'll, we'll probably just do real people we're just working on it bit by bit that's the way it is now every couple a couple 
every pretty much every Friday is is devoted to it. And then sometimes during the week I'll I'll work on stuff. We're looking for singers. Yeah, we're 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 actually doing on this one. We're trying to add some guest singers, uh, some guys, some people that we know that to have them come in and sing some of the tracks. Just something different. Are you gonna put out like a like a advertisement for that, or are you gonna try to stick with your circle of musician friends? No, no, we've done that, and and it's really hard to find good singers. Like it's really hard. Uh, we f- we found one guy locally that we know who can sing blues rock, so we're gonna have him do one. Uh, but we've p- had an ad up for a while now trying to find a singer, and and Reese has been out to a few gigs looking for some people, but hard to find. Hard to find. I don't know if it's that are not there. They're just afraid to put themselves out there today with all the negative stuff going on. Yes, if you if you read comments on the internet, nobody's gonna like you. <laughs> yeah, no barrier, right? Yeah, so. I know that because when I, I taught high school too, and I had a I was running a music kind of blog class called uh, it's called in the green room where every Friday kids could come play their song and we'd put it up live, and not one out of fifteen hundred kids would actually let me put it on the internet, and they were good, and they're just afraid of the negative comments. In our day, you didn't like you. You had to write into the paper, mm-hmm. and they had to print it. <laughs> so you didn't have to listen to that, right? So it's it's a different world for them. Most people won't take the time to write a compliment because, hey, I'm happy with this. It's fine. I don't have to yes. tell the world about it. But if I'm angry, I gotta tell everyone. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. So no, we'd like to try find some other singers to work with. It's good to work with different singers. We're kind of, we're kind of like, I don't know, if you, do you know who Alan Parsons is? Alan yeah. Parsons Project? Yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah. what we're kind of going. We should be like Alan Parsons and just bring people in when we want them to do stuff. Because we right. like the recording process. We like the creating the songs from scratch and then getting it all recorded and finding the right singer for the right right part. Yeah, we've got a few tunes that are almost done and we're like, okay, well, the singers we've been using, they just, they, they're just not right for this song. So yeah. we gotta. We need this kind of a voice or that kind of a voice. Yeah, like we have a country one, and it's it's turned out to be great. But the, and our singer sang it, and he did a good job. But it's just not the right voice. So we've been trying to find a country singer. And we can't find one. Not, and we're in Calgary, yeah. western Western Canada. <laughs> You'd think we'd find one here. We haven't been able to find one yet. But I think we're gonna try out one of these. What was that company called? Uh, uh, not Fiverr, but no, we tried Fiverr. Couldn't find anybody on Fiverr. We, it's a uh, Studio pros. Yeah, you can get some singers from there. So we're going to try one just for that. Because for sync, I mean, we, we're not a country band, but for sync, you can place country in other places, right? Where did the band's name come from? Well, it actually came from a friend of mine. Um, when we were looking for names, it was the turn of, it was around 84, 85, maybe 86, when the, the UK music was, was coming out. It was called New Romantic Music. And he came over one day, and he was he's listening, and he said, "You know, your music's kind of it's kind of romantic, but there's a bit of a mystery to it." And so that's where it came from. Perfect. One of the other band members tried to claim that he came up with a beast. It was that wasn't true. <laughs> that was the truth. <laughs> well, I have to agree with that assessment of the music. Flying through the moon. I, I love the album. It has that gives me that '80s nostalgia. Like I said, soundtracky new wave that I grew up with, and. The album is out now. It's streaming on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you, Mike and, and Reese, for coming on the Rock is George podcast to talk about it today. And thank you for having us. And we'll be sure to keep you in the loop when we do another one. My question, last question for you is, what's your favorite song on the album? 
Oh, I, I like the single so far away. Yeah, well, yeah, that's actually that one doing okay. It's it's on Spotify. I think it's streamed the most. You know what? I like the train one too, and and the other one that I liked it had a silly name, uh, Boom Boom Shaka Bomb Bomb. You know what? I thought I was gonna hate that, but I actually <laughs> liked it. You know what? We have one of the guys in the band. He's like, ah, I can't stand up, but his kids loved it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, that's good to hear. Well, thank you, George. Uh, we'll we'll keep you in the loop if you don't mind. We'll send you some more stuff when we're done. All right. Best of luck with everything, guys. Once again, I want to thank Mike Scullion and Reese Green of Mystery Romance for coming on the Rock Is George podcast. Be sure to check out their latest album, Flying Through the Moon, out now on Current Records. Head over to your favorite music streaming app. Take a listen to what's available. If you like what you hear, when it's available, buy a physical copy. Support the artist. For all things Mystery Romance, head over to their official website, mysteryromanceband.com. I also want to thank Jerry Young of Current Records and Management for making this interview possible. You've been great. I've been George Dion. Discover your next favorite artist on the Rock is George podcast.